Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your weekly-ish rhetorical assault on the news cycle of people that make it occasionally ourselves. This is, uh, it's also like, I'm Camille Foster, I do things at Freethink. It's the end of the year. This is it the is last the dispatch of, of 2021. And Is it? God, what a well, year Well, we might it's do a been. Patreon one. I mean, we may oh. do a Patreon, but I mean, it's lit, It's the 28th tonight. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Uh, Matt yeah, Welch, it's Wild Reason it. Magazine, I'm in Michael Moynihan, <laughs> Vice News, in it to win it, it, to win it. is apparently, yeah. the, that's the thing, Camille they're just going to be in it, lose it to win it, yeah, okay, <laughs> that's also fine, that's racist, yeah, but fine, uh, we'll racist. come back to that in a moment, um, gentlemen, I, I don't have to ask how you're doing, because I know, because I know that last week, oh, we were yeah. supposed to record an episode with um, our friend Josh Zepps, who was traveling to the States, from yeah. the once great nation of um, <laughs> once Australia, um, now is just a totalitarian hellhole. That's what I keep hearing. What it was, yeah. And yeah. I, had, I suppose we have to say this is still true because Josh Zepps yeah. could not join us. Um, no. But I, I think during the wave of Omicron infections, or at least a spike in infections overall, uh, both you, Matt Welch, I think mm. Moynihan, someone yeah. close to you, was infected. Yeah. I think a few people close to you were infected. I don't know if you yourself were actually infected. Um, Me? Yeah. But we had a string of COVID well, yeah, infections last yeah, week. Yeah, there's definitely, definitely. I was infected. Mass oh, you infected. were infected. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. You tested yeah. positive. Well, that's not, I didn't test positive. I don't, couldn't get a test because of Joe Biden's America. But um, <laughs> everyone around me was Just keep was waiting infected. for the free one. It's coming. Josh Zepps was probably infected, oh, but he yeah. told me he had hepatitis, but I don't know if that's true. But, <laughs> right. Because um, that wouldn't have been we'll your just, first bout with hepatitis. It's recreational <laughs> hepatitis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, Josh, it's time has come to save fair's fair, to pay the rent, to pay our share. And time has come. Effects effect. How many months to them? Give it back. How many <laughs> months are, are they going to keep him in the uh, in the Aussie concentration camp when it comes back? He's, like, he is. You've been he's written in New a York novel. City. He is. <laughs> he's written a like a concentration camp novel, which is very good. Um, while he was a a prisoner, he's the Solzhenitsyn of cold, of of, uh, of COVID. Yeah, Matt, have you tested negative yet? I tested negative yesterday, but uh, I, I haven't tested. I haven't tested out because, like, what's the point? Uh, Emmanuel theoretically, if she can jump through the international hoops, will be back in a couple of days, and uh, and she's bringing fists full of uh, home tests. Yeah, but apparently you said ivermectin is what she's bringing. Yeah, she, yeah. Yeah, 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 she's yeah. getting so much uh, regenerating. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, but like <laughs> I don't, on. We're done. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have it. The thirteen-year-old, the very pleasant thirteen-year-old, uh, doesn't have it anymore. I, I let her run around the, the uh, neighborhood. Hmm. Um, well, so. apparently the the rapid tests are um, are not very accurate when it comes to the Omicron. This is and the FDA has actually issued a warning about this. There's a lot of uh, there's a really interesting tweet thread about this, about, and it was something to do with you know the it not the Omicron variant not sort of living in the lungs in the way that the sort of Delta variant does, in it not uh, producing a lot of Omicrony goodness in your nasal passages. Yeah, uh, something to that effect. Um, so, so when I t- when I took it, in, 
My uh, daughter uh, uh, was negative when we took the at-home test on a Tuesday, yeah. and she was positive by the Wednesday afternoon. Um, and I was positive on the Wednesday afternoon as well. That's because my nose was a bit snotty. But the uh, apparently the trick is you jab the the Q-tip javelin in the back of your throat instead, because everybody, oh. uh, presuming I, I also assume uh, Camille, but uh, but basically everybody in New York has had the same little yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah cough, and that's yeah. it. That's what it is. And if you get some snot, it'll test positive. Otherwise, put it in the back of your throat. It's positive. You're all getting Omicron. Michael and I went through this on, on the last yes, Patreon. You're all getting did. it. We're just so all I, going to get so it. So this was right before Christmas, and I negotiated with my mother and brother who were coming to my house. And um, uh, I said, look, here's, here's the deal. Um, probably got it. Your granddaughter's here. Um, you probably want to see her. So just uh, say fuck it and come. And so she said fuck it and she came. And she wow. just uh, tested negative on a rapid test. So, huh. um, so But yeah. she had the symptoms, right? Like she was. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah I wasn't paying attention. I don't pay attention. Yeah, she, wait. When did she have the symptoms? Before... Uh, she was in the yard puking, but I thought she was just. Doing it. I, don't know what I said Merry Christmas and locked the door. It's, it's um, Christmas. Yeah. It's yeah, it's Christmas, regular Christmas, Christmas, Christmas for you. It's a morning Christmas. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What do you get out of here? Stop it. You got the uh, Omicron. Like that, so. <laughs> but yeah. Did your, uh, did your uh, uh, immunocompromised uh, brother uh, get it too? Michael? I don't know if he's immunocompromised. He's compromised in a lot of ways, but I don't know if he's immunocompromised. <laughs> I, I just presume um, that he assaulted his system at some point uh, I, living, I, I living under that, the bridge. Yeah, I think that he probably did, but um, I don't know. He 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 didn't. He went home, didn't get a test, as far as I know. And if he did, he wouldn't tell me. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's he's he's probably fine. And <laughs> more importantly, how is that? How is that drum set? Is it? Uh... Oh, dude! It's oh great. yeah, oh, pretty yeah. great. My my drum throne came today, and I saw the neighbors had left, so I was like, pop, pop, pop. <laughs> I was just ripping it up. Oh, so, yeah, right. it was fun. Yeah, yeah. If you listen to the Patreon, you'd know that I got a. Uh, a bass drum that used to uh, belong to Captain from Captain and Tennille. <laughs> that is so, so sexy. Yeah. You got to get a little, yeah. little hat and then you're ready to go. Camille, yeah. you, you, we've all heard too much about Michael and I and our very exciting uh, Christmases, but what kind of uh, COVID must did you have out there wherever the hell you are? Well, we didn't have much of a COVID must. Um, we didn't go anyplace. We didn't see anyone. Uh, my, my family has been, uh, kind of floored because our matriarch uh, has fallen ill um, oh, no. and not exactly sure what is going on there, but, but then she went into the hospital. She had a series of strokes and I spent oh. most of Christmas Whoa, doing, right? yeah, and that. the days since doing like weird, the weird thing that you do via signal now where you have someone who's in the hospital who's suffering and you get together with a large group of your family and you, observe this person in their sort of various states of illness, semi-recovery, not quite with itness, and you berate hospital workers who yeah. can't help you. Um, <laughs> and in this particular case, we're not merely, you know, unable to go visit in the hospital, but, but, you know, a country removed um, from. So this is your is. grandmother this in my, Jamaica? My mom's, yeah, my mother's mom who was visiting Jamaica and fell ill um, and is now oh. in the hospital. So that's an unfortunate circumstance, which is still um, as of yet kind of resolving itself, so to speak. Um, but yeah, that, that has not been enormously fun um, beyond that. And who's, 
Who's in charge? Is it, are you in charge of this as well, or they, someone else gets to be in charge? What do you mean, <laughs> in charge? Of, you know, of no. the negotiation of the of the phone no, very, calls of the Zoom. Very much not in charge. Um, okay. In certain circumstances, one steps back. I have a very large family. I've got nine. Uh, my mother is one of nine children, um, and we've got a lot of grandkids to boot. Um, after that. Um, and not we, my grandmother does, um, and even some great grandkids. So there's a, there's a legion and one knows even, even an alpha male like me to step the hell back in certain circumstances, not to push to the front of that line, um, and to let other people who are perhaps more senior make decisions, good, bad, or otherwise. And, uh, God, decision-making in a circumstance like this, it does not matter how much you prepare for it. It's always a shit show. Mm. Always, always a black comedy, the blackest of black comedies. It's awful. Uh, we have friends and listeners who've been going through stuff with family members during this, uh, tough, uh, season. And, Mm -hmm. uh, just our hearts are out to you. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. It was not the world's best Christmas, uh, uh, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really awful. I think that's, that's actually what it brought into sharp relief for me. I've certainly thought about families who've had to go through losing a loved one or having a loved one be very ill and being unable to visit and then access them in the hospital. Um, I, I really hadn't thought through all of the kind of terrible implications of that especially when you have a bunch of people who care about this person who's ill and you're trying to do things like have a signal video meeting. And a lot of these people are older. Many of them don't really know where the mute controls are inside of signal. So you can imagine this is like already a high stress, terrible situation with way too many people on the line at once who don't quite know the protocol and the culture of video chat um, who are, have things going on in the background because it's Christmas day. And they're preparing for it. And their kids don't necessarily know about the awfulness they're suffering through. And in addition to everything else, you know, you've got this horrible echo that won't go away (laughs) throughout these conversations. Intermittent sobbing, greeting loved ones who you haven't seen in forever. And in one of those windows is your loved one, like, suffering through something terrible with the one or two family members who are, quote, I'm doing the, the, the air quotes now, fortunate enough to be able to be in the room um, and to provide some care and hopefully some comfort um, throughout that situation. So yeah, it's terrible. It's absolutely awful. It's a terrible way to, to go. It's a terrible circumstance to have to navigate um, in general. Um, but certainly in the midst of the pandemic, there is an, an added layer of just severe awfulness. Um, so yeah, sympathies and, the, the bit of solidarity to anyone who's had to deal with that um, in the in the course of the past year or so, who's still dealing with it or who may find themselves in that circumstance this is not not optimal. So, yeah, apart from that, on- writing and doing other stuff um, over the course of the last couple of weeks, actually. So it's good. Been busy. Well, I saw ear- earlier today yeah, on uh, on the Twitter machine, uh, Kat Rosenfield, our, our uh, pal, uh, flashed quickly in kind of uh, recognition or anger just happened to say, Hey, look, you know, her, I believe it was her grandmother died in uh spring of 2020 back in the days when you weren't allowed to see anybody. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then like right after was when the switch flipped and it's like, 
oh, we're doing Black Lives Matter protests. Okay, it's totally fine to go outside with tens of thousands of people on the street every uh-huh. day. And she described the sense of just very in a brief bottled way, uh, the rage associated with that. And I can't begin to fathom if I if that was something that I had to go through at the time. Uh, Particularly been- when there was a, a series of doctors um, who wrote an open letter uh, encouraging people to go out and yeah, saying yeah. that this was this was a uh, epidemic too. Yes, so, racism uh, is the real pandemic. Yeah, so, it's the real pandemic. So therefore, oh, we should. And you know, and look, we say this, um, and we pulled Camille away, and I give Camille a lot of credit for for um, coming on tonight. When we pulled him away from the second day of Kwanzaa, where um, <laughs> I believe this is the time a when lot. we. Yeah. Put hoses in women's mouth uh, with um, uh, laundry detergent uh, and waterboard them like Ron Karenga. Uh, the founder of Kwanzaa, Matt, who also is the head of the yeah. Africana Studies Department at UC Long Beach or Cal State Long Beach, whatever you call Cal it. State, Long Cal Beach, State Long Beach. Never yeah, if you want to go there, you can get you can be educated by someone who tortures uh, women, but also creates uh, very inspirational holidays. So, yeah. I mean. Yeah, so wait, is, is, day t- is today day three of Kwanzaa? What does I that mean? I believe it's day three. This is the day where you hit people with rubber truncheons. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm, that's not my holiday, so I don't really know the details of it. Oh, but from you know what, what I do know, yeah. that is the day of unity and violence against women. Um, <laughs> On this day, so. we pledge to build and maintain our community together. Yes. And make our brothers and sisters' <laughs> but problems. But if you, if you, if you go astray from that, we will hurt and you. And solve them together. <laughs> so today is the day we pursue a final solution. Yeah. So you know yes. what that means. Exactly. You know you, what that means. And if we accuse you of trying to poison Ron Karenga, we will make an example of you in the basement. <laughs> um, that, hey, it's he did it, not me. I understand. I'm just, I'm just recounting the facts, man. Yeah, so, so we, I think we're lighting a green candle today, not the black yes. or the red one. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I'm not green, really sure. Green, green candle. That's what God, we're going to we burn. We're going to burn you. We're going to burn you with the green candle on your <laughs> the thighs. cultural of appropriation of that. I mean that that whole thing. Like that's a menorah, right? Yeah, yeah it looks much. pretty menorah esque. It's that's just their like thing. A, yeah. Well, they taking they're taking it back, considering their involvement in the slave trade. They thought uh, the secret relationship between blacks and Jews, one of the great books of the twentieth century. If you haven't read it, Sarcasm. it's probably a PDF copy on some hate site out there you can get for free. Um, yeah, but also um, I want to say that Matt, before we came on, uh, Matt texted um, uh, one of two people, but the the most uh, interesting one was that John Madden died uh, today. Yes, um, yeah. Which is a sad occasion, but as I, t- as I texted back, I wondered if John Madden had said anything racist because if he if he had, we'd find out about it within the first paragraph or two of every obit. Um, but Matt uh, or Camille, I don't know who sent it. Um, the the uh, tweet from uh, Empty Brain or whatever her name is, <laughs> Empty Empty Head, <laughs> Empty Wheel, Empty Wheel, Empty Wheel, empty um, wheel. who took yeah. a, a break from uncovering uh, the. The Russian compromat operations <laughs> against <laughs> Harry Reid. They probably killed Harry Reid too today. Poisoned him like uh, like you know so many other opponents of the Kremlin. But uh, that tweet of hers was a masterclass in everything that's wrong with Twitter and people who become hot take merchants and they don't even realize mm-hmm. it. Like somebody dies and they just have to scurry to their their uh, uh, computer and just you know dispense the wisdom. Uh, and it was something to the effect of, I wonder I if, uh, yeah, I'm going to read it. Yeah, I yeah. got it. I got it in front of you. And, and for the non, 
uh, video game slash NFL uh, National Football League fans. Uh, John Madden was uh, the head coach of the yep. Oakland Raiders yes. in the 1970s, mostly, and led them to a Super Bowl champion. Is this big, garrulous, kind of jowly, funny, chain smoker guy who then became. Uh, a beloved announcer for a thousand years uh, covering uh, football games. Um, and then also the progenitor of basically the uh, NFL video game that's been around for 30 yeah. years, I think called Madden, yeah. which I'm sure Camille is still playing as we're talking. Um, <laughs> and uh, so like, he's this huge cultural figure. He was known as, uh, you know, writing, he never takes a plane. So he'd ride the Amtrak from place to place. And he's just enthusiastic. He's always like, ah, oh, and then boom, he goes through the line and boom. And he's just really fun. He was in a bunch of light beer commercials, whatever. So uh, empty wheel, Marcy Wheeler, uh, a, uh, a person who is a very, very popular on Twitter in those uh, early, uh, you know, 95 tweet storm uh, Trump Russia gate days, um, tweets out. And this is within, I don't know, about an hour, let's say, of John Madden croaking uh, at a ripe old age. I think it was 87 saying everyone eulogizing Madden. Here we go. (laughs) Colon. Here it comes. How many concussions could we have prevented (laughs) had he not turned brain injuries into a video game? 100%. Yeah. Thank you, Empty Wheel. (laughs) It's funny because before before that game, football just wasn't popular. People were just like, what is this game? Oh, my God. I would play this video game. It's amazing. Yeah, she was like, it it was funny because um, she doesn't, you point out that he was a coach of the, the Raiders in the 70s. And I and he was the coach of the Raiders in '78, uh, and, and nobody's pointed this out. We should really attack him and Ooh. blame him for Jack the Assassin Tatum, Tatum uh, crippling Daryl Stingley uh, yep. of the uh, uh, Patriots. My father was working for the Patriots at the time and was always very angry about that. And was uh, Daryl Stingley was uh, was a mensch, and he liked him quite a bit. And uh, and uh, yeah, he was uh, he would uh, denounce it all the time. So maybe we should blame John Madden not for the. The uh, fake uh, concussions in the video game, but uh, Jack Tim, who, by the way, in fairness, so, felt very bad about what happened. Uh, but was that yeah, was, was there an allegation there? Was Madden said to have like sent him out to go be? No, like, no, no. But I'm just I'm like I'm oh, okay. empty wheel in this in this scenario, okay. Camille. And I'm just just <laughs> somebody died, so therefore I have to denounce them before you get too comfortable Raiders, in your eulogies. Yes. Yeah, here's something that I found that this person did. Yeah, um, the Raiders were one. known to uh, have played a little bit. Uh, dirty and dirty. fast mm-hmm. and loose with uh, with whatever uh, rules. Al Davis, their owner, was was much more of kind of a villain character than John Madden. John Madden yeah, was always sure. pretty good. Yeah. Um, but like Jack Jack Tatum was a headhunter. That's that was his yes. like actual nickname. And he would go and try to clothesline people and hit them as hard as he can in their head and neck area. And when he after he paralyzed Daryl Stingley, that changed the game of football. Like that's uh, yeah, absolutely the, sort of methodically. To the, the the state that we have now, where there's a lot of awareness of concussions and protocols and whatever, and you and both of whom died quite young too, by the way, both Tatum and Stingley. Um, yeah, I think Tatum's because he was just boozing and drinking, <laughs> I think so, and smoking like everybody else on the Raiders. Like the <laughs> yeah, totally. the, the greatest uh, Twitter follow, obviously, is Super Seventies Sports, and just like 
uh, reliably once a uh, week, there's just going to be some uh, picture of a uh, desiccated uh, Ken Stabler, <laughs> just like oh god, the great Ken Stabler, vomiting yeah. on himself, like drinking whiskey and smoking a cigarette on the uh, on the sidelines uh, right, right before going into like the, you know, the, the thing kind about of this. This tweet, though, um, was it precipitated so many, so many great responses, <laughs> and I have to have to just read this one. That um, she she was somebody wrote um, to uh, to uh, the 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 Russian lady or the anti-Russian lady. How much football did you play to make you think this post was something worth putting out there? Uh, Marcia or Marcy? What's her name? Marcy. Marcy. Marcy Wheeler said, I played six years of rugby, including two club years, one on an elite team. I like that she gets the brag in there, too. Um, I, I saw a picture of her. I don't know how elite this team was. Maybe it was elite, and, you know, when she was when she was playing at like the one club in like southern Peru or something. Um, played through played through at least one concussion. Is that enough wow. for you? The greatest response of all time. This person who <laughs> is at Ots, A-O-T-T-S 3000 chimes in half a minute later, but there's no rugby video game. So how did you get a concussion? <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> Granted, that, that is not factually accurate. They're, they're definitely rugby video games, but there is no prominent rugby video game that is known yeah. and loved by all of, co- um, of course the people who John love Madden humor football yeah. was somebody did but, respond um, actually ea put out a rugby game about eight <laughs> or ten course. years ago it's like dude oh, the fuck no. you. Oh, it's a funny course, joke right, right. which Lord. is actually the reason for her concussion um oh, although one imagines man. there was no rugby game at at the time of her um her her heyday her rugby no game. no what, no no her remember, heyday a, a long time ago, before Camille was was out of short pants yet, uh, yeah. when uh, lefties were like, "No, no, no!" Um, artistic video game and like movie depictions of violence are not the same as violence. It's important to keep a separation from those two. Yeah, ideas. They, 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 like so many other things, it's a it's like a switcheroo. It's like the movie mm. where. Uh, uh, you know, the the mom becomes the daughter and the daughter becomes the mom, like one of those great switcheroo movies. Oh, Freaky uh, Friday. Freaky Friday is uh, like that one. It's no face-off. It, but. it is It is Freaky Friday where all of these people on the left are taking all these right-wing positions from 20 years ago, which is like video games, music, speech is all dangerous and bad. And, you know, when you saw somebody tried out the video game thing it would be somebody from like the parents research council like one of those mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. uh bozell groups and now it's uh it's uh em- the appropriate named empty wheel <laughs> so, <laughs> i have to say I, I have to be honest and like my twitter i haven't been following her very much so i don't know who. Don't yeah know no it's been a, been a long time since uh it's, it's yeah come up. it's weird I, though I, that i don't trust the woman that, that really broke broke all the news on the russiagate stuff <laughs> we uh, we talked uh, briefly on the Patreon, which you should all subscribe to because it's oh, super it's good. great uh, hot, and it makes you feel good uh, giving us um, money. But uh, we also read your emails yeah. and such. But uh, we talked about some idiot gawker person trying to piss on the grave of Joan Didion with one of the most like just half-assed little things. But a thing about John Madden, even more than Didion, Didion who was great um, and just a very important writer, uh, novelist too. Although I've, I've only read her nonfiction, um, but like. John Madden gave people pleasure for 50 years. That's all he did. 
He just he also him. pointed out the 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 concussion stuff before it was a thing. Yeah, and he I was like, it. and apparently he was like a big advocate of flag football for young kids because he's like, you shouldn't be wearing helmets and crashing into each other at like ten years old. I mean, I mean so, so it's even imagine, wrong on that front. Imagine the mindset, and it's it's uh, it's not a pandemic; it's an endemic situation. Imagine the mindset of like, okay, famous person died. The same thing when Felicia Sumnez, the awful uh, Washington Post writer um uh reacted to kobe bryant dying remember that um like uh immediately is is saying like i don't know guys he's a rapist you know like throwing herself into that story um and granted kobe bryant had a sexual assault trial so it was part of his biography this mm-hmm. is nothing having to do with john madden's bad it's nothing important but just imagine the mindset of someone who's in there they know that this person has brought people joy and that there's going to be some kind of public you know, uh, expression, not maybe of grief, of just maybe appreciation of some of the, sure. that they liked and appreciated. And they think, fuck, what can I do? How can I, how can I do something right here to, to, to separate myself from the, the pack? It is such a stupid mind. It's so pathetic. There is, there face. is so much space and I'm a big fan of and written a bunch of anti obits myself, but it's usually for people who, like support really ugly regimes and, you know, or, you know, have ugly politics in their, in their life. Um, they, mostly the, the, the kind of people in the mainstream forget about, right? And just, it's good to remind them and things like that, or if they're murderers or something. But I, I, I my favorite was at the end, um, of, of all of these hilarious responses. She's really digging in here. This tweet where she said, by the way, actually loving capital letters the responses to the original tweet how dare you claim video games lead to tolerance for brain injuries well i mean they don't but and then the finally bring it (laughs) makes writing about it later child's play well first of all the the, the biggest threat there is that you're going to write about it do i really (laughs) where the fuck (laughs) are you going to do that truth out is that where is that who's going to publish that she has she has a blog lord she has, oh, she has a blog. I'm sure it'll appear, oh, it'll appear there. Yeah, I don't know if I'm she's sure, moved I'm over sure to Substack get, yet. Tear up the the fucking charts. I mean that that tweet though. The ratio on that tweet is pretty. Oh, it's is great. Pretty astronomical. So deserved. So, yeah, among among the worst I've seen um, in a year when there's been a lot of lot of nasty yeah. ratios. Oh, but and by um, the way, Harry Reid died too. Yeah. Also, I mean, I mean, do do we want to talk about his legacy, which I do. has everything I to do with absolutely. UFOs? Pretty much well, just UFOs. Because UFOs. In yeah. the in the yeah. same, uh, uh, I was just uh, scrolling Twitter because I saw at least three public officials. Keith Ellison was one. Uh, hmm. This senator from Hawaii were like, not just that. Oh, you know, he's great, a great and important man. Whatever. Okay, he was a Senate Majority Leader. Um, he is a person of significance and I don't doubt that he was mm. nice in his personal life, but like, uh, going out of the way to say, you know, he was just above all an honest person. He was just above all, a, a, just a good person. He would never do a bad thing. And it's like, do you, do you, you got none of you with the Mitt Romney and the taxes thing? None of you remember this. And so if, if those of you who are listening and, and yourself don't remember this, this is not, you know, this is not Pol Pot situation here but this is in 2012 i believe it was when uh, harry reed was i think the senate majority leader yep um i takes to the floor of the senate the world's greatest deliberative body and states as fact that mitt romney hasn't paid a dime in taxes in 10 years it's a hell of an allegation it like drove headlines for a long time it's very difficult for romney the republican nominee for president who's a richie mcrich person um, and had worked for whatever that was, Bain Capital, 
um, to who uh, and who and wherever else uh, to sort of like uh, you know come off as a normal person. All the Democrats wanted to do is like to pass new laws about Swiss bank accounts because they think that he might have had one. Um, so he makes this allegation on the floor of the Senate, and uh, it came out later that uh, Romney had in fact uh, uh, paid uh, taxes a- every one of those years. He released enough information to show that. And when Harry Reid was asked about it in 2015 by uh, Dana Bash at CNN, I think it was, uh, it's like, hey, you said a thing that wasn't true to to slur a, 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 a politician, a, a, you know, uh, in this country during a presidential campaign. Do you have any regrets? And he's like, oh, God, no, no, he, he lost, didn't he? He lost. That was great. I'm like, I'm not exaggerating this. He was asked about it later in uh, 2016. um, And he's like, yeah, people ask me about that all the time. I consider it among the greatest things I ever did in my career. Yeah, that's not not true. (laughs) Wow. I mean, Uh, which, how great was it? Yeah. Which like shows, I mean, I don't. I don't remember the the great Harry Reid legislative accomplishments. It could be that I've just blanked it over the years, uh, but he definitely contributed to the awfulness of American politics uh, in a very s- significant way. Um, and uh, and to not to, to pretend that he was above all just a nice guy. I, but I think the burden of proof in the Senate is to prove that you haven't. I mean, the onus is on you to prove that you haven't contributed to the general awfulness. Of American politics, because that's kind of the job is to contribute to the awfulness of American politics. Not a lot of senators. I'm like, mm, you know, there is a man that I really respect. Uh, since my namesake, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, not a not a ton out there. But, you know, I mean, that that's the, 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 the Harry Reid thing is like there's not a ton to say about him in a lot of ways, considering I mean, he was the Senate majority leader in there. You can write, uh, I know, sort of reams and reams on somebody who had that that position for so long. But it's pretty interesting that I follow and follow politics pretty closely. And nothing really sticks in my head of like, oh, that's the Harry Reid thing. Except for maybe when you when the lying thing, I didn't even remember. You know, the scandal of that is that, that most of his money was he was tithing it to the Mormon church. That's probably more of a scandal than, than you know, cheating on your taxes. You know, I do I mean, remember. That's... Remember when uh, when when Reed showed up with his half of his face like bandaged, and mm-hmm. I, uh, a very oh, not right. believable story about it. It's oh, like, oh man. yeah, I fell I fell on the treadmill. That's like Ralph Macho his... and the Karate Kid telling his, his uh, mother <laughs> that the door hit him in the face when he's wearing the sunglasses. <laughs> no, you got beaten up. Come on, we know what's happening. <laughs> but he looked pretty oh, cool. Oh my god! Yeah, he looks, he looks great. Yeah. What's going on um, in the world, by the way, besides people dying? Anything? I mean, there's plenty of stuff going on. Um, uh, Fauci is out making the rounds again, talking Omicron. Oh um, and uh, the assertion that he's made recently is that uh, domestic travel uh, should perhaps we should perhaps consider some sort of national restrictions on domestic travel based on vaccination status, which yeah. is an interesting idea, um, a very interesting idea at a time when travel uh, companies, airline industry in particular, but kind of everybody is struggling with staffing concerns, Um, staffing concerns that are so severe. And I I won't even say concerns, staffing problems that are so severe that the airline industry was forced to cancel um, tons and tons of flights and is continuing to do so um, starting around Christmas. um, And it's continued um, up to now. um, And we're seeing the same sort of restrictions everywhere, so much so 
um, that the CDC has finally decided to modify their earlier guidance, um, dramatically curtailing the amount of time that is suggested for um, someone to uh, quarantine when they are exposed to or infected with COVID, which is, that's kind of remarkable. Um, And and the question was being asked, well, why now? Why not? Are you dumb? (laughs) We know why now. (laughs) It's causing problems everywhere. Um, it's either, yeah, it's either staffing of caution there. or there's going to be another Black Lives Matter protest. <laughs> Can't figure out which one. But also, it's a weird thing to, to you know, take up right now when the concern about potentially catching, we, we don't know of any plain super spreader events that I'm aware of. I mean, I, I just haven't heard this nope. if there if there has been one, no. but you know, there's the cons- some, there's some indication that Omicron may be more contagious and uh, on in the context of a plane. But um, see, but least, that's the thing based, based on some industry groups uh, yeah. doing some early research, not, not at all clear just how trustworthy that is, but by some meaningful percentage, it's supposed to be more, more uh, contagious. But, but so here's the thing, right? I mean, cause the concern is not for people who are unvaccinated, they potentially might get sicker than somebody who's vaccinated. That's not the, that's not the concern at all. The concern is spread, right? And what we know now from what's been going on in New York, as far as we can tell, and you know, we don't know, we don't have any hard, really hard data on this because we're pretty early into it. But it appears that people who are vaccinated, double vaccinated, boosted, et cetera, are not only getting it uh, from other people, they're transmitting it. Too. So on. what yeah. what is the purpose here is Omicron is the wave that is going to make us take a- action about, you know, uh, a vac- vaccine mandate on planes when it doesn't appear that the current vaccines that we're using are preventing vaccinated people from spreading Omicron. Right. I mean, am I, am I missing something here? Uh, yeah, you're missing the uh, desire. And I see this all the time because I've written I wrote a piece about this today and a similar one yesterday. Um, there is a palpable desire to punish um the unvaccinated and the vaccine skepticals and the anti-vaxxers or whatever for whatever uh, inconvenience or trouble is befalling the currently vaccinated even in such uh you know almost miraculously vaccinated places like new york city and i wish that I, i wish i could say that it was something else i would like to point to something else but like there's a a uh, piece in CNN yesterday that had the great headline of like, are airplane vaccine mandates our ticket out of the pandemic? Well, like, that's not like that's not real. No, dude. Like, <laughs> we're we're vaccinating five year olds. Our ticket out of uh, masking them in states like New York. The answer is fuck you. Um, you know, <laughs> we, we have a we have a mask mandate on planes that's been extended now to March of uh, 2022. Um, that would not change even. No one thinks that that would change if you had a vaccine mandate. No people. And there's a quote uh, like from an epidemiologist um, uh, from uh, uh, I forget which university in, in CNN in, in this piece, and he's just like, uh, I don't begin to. We all know that we can't be safe on an airplane unless we have vaccine mandates. We all know this, to which one answer is, what happened in 2020? I flew a ton in 2020. When 369 million air travel trips were taken, the lowest in a generation were taken. Moynihan was on 20, I was on 12, Camille was on 50, all in fucking first class. I flew a ton. 
Mostly yeah. first class. Mine was Everything really unnecessary except for the planes were so booze. empty. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got oh, we were still on every flight for the most incredible. part. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, <laughs> there were no vaccines in 2020 to, to cut to the. <laughs> To the chain. There, there wasn't a single person who flew in 2020 who was vaccinated. Yeah. There wasn't. It d- didn't exist. And yet they never became super spreader events. And I was, I seriously, there are, are people arguing with me on Twitter as we speak. If I happen to look at it, my hands are in my pants, so I can't touch it. Um, uh, <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> pleasure. Really? Awful. Uh, the whole sentence was wrong. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's COVID. It's kind of fogged my brain. Um, but, uh, the people are like, uh, well, how do you know? That planes weren't a super spreader. Because well, I, I know, motherfucker. <laughs> I was on the planes. <laughs> There's the I was on the planes thing, but all, but also like, you think we might have heard of one? We probably would. You think that. that you think they might have played that up? There's people who've studied this, and of the best study that I saw from uh, a few months ago, uh, you know, study uh, taking 18 other studies of international uh, things that they found 64 instances total. Of people getting infected on an airplane in like and that was globally that was globally i mean that's not the actual number that's just of these studies yeah, but it's probably from like you know kazakh airlines that has no filters on it and like the windows roll down or something it, it turns out that the filters and the way the air is circulated on airplanes is particularly great for not spreading COVID. and people uh, tend not to talk on planes they don't they stand yeah. they sit straight like this and they got the the, the 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 1895 on their face yeah it's, it's <laughs> yeah i get the 1619 mask on my face <laughs> right there right in the face uh no it's it's crazy but there's at this point there is uh i i've, I've become convinced because i've had i've tried for too long to talk to my california friends about this and realize that that i just have to stop um mm-hmm. it's like there's just there's no explaining it it's like i don't want to sit next to the filthy i don't feel safe um, and there, there's an active desire to want to punish the filthy. Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago, in yeah. uh, uh, ten days ago or less, weeks ago. A gr- but just, I just want to interject and just say, great mayor, just really doing <laughs> really a great job. Been doing a doing, job, doing a very good. There's a terrible joke. She, she has I'm a not- higher body count than the mayor of Baghdad. <laughs> Jeez. Lou Sorry, Perez had true. a really tasteless joke about her that I found very funny. I almost sent it to you guys, but I didn't. Um, but uh, a week ago, when she was introducing her own new vax mandate. Um, in in the city said um, uh, your time is up unvaccinated people there's no there, your <laughs> time is up. probably is because you're gonna get murdered <laughs> you're gonna get murdered in the face uh, and and she's like uh, you might think that it sounds like that we're trying to inconvenience you and what we are yeah <laughs> like yeah. it is like the 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 uh, the amount of irritation exasperation and desire to punish is yeah. so palpable and then when you think about it, who are you actually protecting on that airplane? Do you feel safer? Would you feel safer knowing that there, instead of, you know, uh, a 91% chance that everybody on the airplane or you know, that the uh, person on the airplane is vaccinated, that's now 100%? Is that is that going to be the difference maker to your sense of well-being as a vaccinated person who's uh, then yeah. protected from shit on the airplane? No, it, this is a desire to punish. Let's stop fucking I, pretending. I, I like to just, anytime Chicago's mentioned, I like to do that that Google search that kind of auto-completes the second you write Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, three killed, 19 shot on Christmas weekend. So that was a, that a slower, only um, 19 shot and three murdered this weekend. So I want to congratulate uh, Mayor Gordon Lightfoot for uh, what she's, <laughs> she's oh, done gosh. to... To, uh, you know, 
you're all going to die. It's just from murder and not from Omicron. So very, if very good I job. If I could kill some cops. Yeah. Oh, by the way, did you, speaking of Kwanzaa, did anyone see the, did anyone see the fake Kwanzaa uh, thing that uh, Kamala Harris put out? No, There's like a video no. of her in front of like a bunch of candles. And she's like, all the memories I have of a child celebrating oh, yeah, Kwanzaa. Yeah, it's like, dude, dude, I do remember come on. That. Yeah, some, Let me see some little... pictures of this. Cause you didn't celebrate Kwanzaa. That's bullshit. <laughs> when when did that come out? Because that's that's a little older, isn't it? It's a couple. Is that a couple years old? Is that from last year? Or? What the video? The yeah. Oh, I just saw it posted today. I thought it was. I thought it was recent. Oh, yeah, it's not no, today? It's, it's a yeah. It's a little. Uh, it's from a little while ago. It's from a little while ago. But but she's she's still. I mean, she's just epically fake. It, yeah, it's a total so lie. Like, no one believes that. It's certainly not. It's certainly not her Jamaican dad who taught her about Kwanzaa. It's yeah. like, not yeah. a thing. What, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> it's not a thing. Yeah, Jacob, Jamaican. Didn't like, aren't there people in her Jamaican family who just like don't like her or something? Wasn't they? Didn't, well, her, dis- her Jamaican dad. So. Or like he disowned her in a way, didn't he? I don't know if he's disowned well, I mean, her formally, but he's been vehemently critical of her. So, yeah. yeah. Did What's he just Jamaican did dad her? <laughs> <laughs> it's always bad um, when your dad is denouncing you usually a bad sign. so well she, she I, did I suppose something other- down the river with a with a uh with a uh you know oh my jamaican relatives smoke pot so obviously i did too oh yeah, yeah well that's yeah. just it yeah yeah see that's yeah. the thing he's his her family is probably a little like mine like growing up uh the, there was no one in my family who had like a, a particularly thick uh jamaican accent like who spoke like kind of a hard patois yeah. um like my my grandfather is a donovan you know, like it's a it's Barrington Donovan, not my grandfather, my uncle, one of my uncles is a Donovan and I've got Margaret's and stuff like that in my family. So there were very strict rules about the kind of Jamaican you were expected to be. And I imagine it sounds like Kamala comes from a family. It's not unlike mine. There's not an expectation that you will be smoking and growing out your dreads. Yeah. It's not a thing, uh, yeah. but she can lie about it. Like she lies about plenty of other things. Um, President Biden uh, also who's, this week had that? some things to say uh, about about COVID um, in a meeting uh, with some a governor uh, with a bunch of governors. He suggested that there is no federal solution to the yes. pandemic, that this, quote, gets solved at the state level. Um, and this is a something that I think a lot of Republicans, conservatives heard um, and thought, well, we've been telling you that for a very long time. Um, I don't know how much of a victory it is, but it does seem to contrast pretty sharply with some of the other things that the Biden administration has been doing of late, both of them continuing to fight for their mandate for employers with over 100 employees, which is now in the courts. Um, there is uh, apparently some legal battles that are taking place where the Biden administration um, or the Department of Ed, or maybe it's the Justice Department, I'm not sure, are pursuing some sort of legal recourse, civil rights, um, I believe, prosecution um, or a civil rights legal solutions to try to stop folks from passing these bans on schools being able to enforce max- mask mandates like Florida, for example, who passed a ban on the mask mandates in schools. Yeah, it's not going to work. Um, so it's it's interesting the contrast between those two things. And of course, the most recent thing the Biden administration did was announce a plan to purchase or secure millions of tests for COVID so that they can mail them to Americans for free who request them. Um, the, the promise to do this was made some days ago. Progress towards this end uh, doesn't seem to be all that dramatic. 
Um, but it's something, I guess. Uh, is this anyone, folks, is this anything folks are excited about in general? The Biden administration's new commitment to making certain that Americans have access to a free test. I don't know how many free tests you get if you send a request in, but no one seems to know at this point. We did talk on the Patreon about um, how Biden, in the interview with David Muir, was referring to tests as pills, uh, which <laughs> wasn't really noticed or pointed out by a lot of people. He was like, yeah, man, we're going to get the pills. A lot of pills for everybody. Hundreds of millions of pills. <laughs> get the pills to people. And it's like, wait, what? What are you talking about? He's like, oh, he's talking about tests. Um, well, look, I mean, the, the interesting thing about this, and I don't, I don't think that the president has a ton of control over this stuff. They have a certain amount of control on the margins, but you know, this is a president who believed that the president of the United States had an enormous amount of control when he was running for president, right? I mean, when he's counting the number of people who died on Donald Trump's watch in, in, you know, when there are no vaccines, right? Developing vaccines, and, you know, there's mistakes that the Trump administration made, and there's some actually um, things they did quite well. And Operation Warp, Warp Speed is one of those, you know, I mean, you can't, you can't deny that from particularly from the perspective of the Biden administration of having the government come in with a pretty heavy hand and help out here. Um, so did a great job. I mean, we're now at 800,000 people. And a lot of those people have died under uh, on Joe Biden's watch, right? I don't blame him for this. I think it's a cheap, a cheap trick to, to, to do something like that. But if we're to use the same standards, I don't know why that death count is not attributed when it was attributed to the president before as not being attributed to him now. I mean, it's very, very strange. I mean, the shift, the CDC shift, the shift from, you know, his federal response to the kind of, I'm the, the George Wallace of Omicron states rights, um, response to it is, <laughs> is kind of a, kind of a bit of a shift here. And, you know, people, you know, are, I just, I just look back at people because, you know, this always becomes a sort of media podcast and has been for the, from the beginning because the way I consume this stuff is I have a, a long memory of how this was considered under the previous president. And I was critical of him and critical of the administration at the time. I know we all were, Matt, particular on testing and things like that. And then I cannot get a test anywhere. Nobody I know can get a test. Um, a friend of mine was in, said that they just got an appointment for a PCR test. And the, the, they said that they'll probably get the results in five to seven days, ultimately rendering the PCR test completely useless, right? I mean, what can happen in that weak time when something is spreading this quickly is so, you know, if we are going to attribute um, both successes and failures to administration, I, I, we, we should be attributing these failures to the Biden administration. Because, I mean, look, as I said, I don't believe that a lot of this stuff, this Omicron stuff is going to spread like wildfire. It's not killing people in the way that Delta was, or if at all, do we really know that at this point? Um, but at the same time is that those standards have been established and let's attribute, you know, this failure of, of testing and these kind of lines you see. Somebody posted a video from Milwaukee, uh, driving around a cars lined up to get, to get COVID testing. And it was at like quadruple speed because it was so long and it was shocking. And like, why is this happening? If this is in, uh, you know, under your control and you said this is something that we would do away with and you become president now, you are responsible. You have made yourself responsible by saying you were the one who's actually going to solve this and you've done nothing to solve it. I mean, I just think it's a, it's a bit of an abomination that, that the uh, press in general is, is giving him such a light ride on this. And one week ago, uh, you know, he gave a big address to the nation um, 
about uh, Omicron and coronavirus and whatnot. And at the end, he took a couple of questions in a very testy manner from reporters. And one of the the things that was asked the most in the brief period of time is like, hey, y'all were basically mocking people three weeks ago uh, for saying, what about getting tests to everybody because there's not mm-hmm. enough tests. <clears throat> and his response was, well, no one could have seen this coming. Yeah. <clears throat> and you, you know what? That's, um, I think it's important to point out and, and I hope that I'm not being indecorous in doing so. Um, it, that's a lie. Mm. That's a, just a lie. It's just mm-hmm. a lie. A lot of people saw it coming. It's so much so that I think that by the end of that day, Rochelle Walensky was like, well, you know, we, we kind of saw that coming. The president just sort of talks sometimes. But, like, it's important to not lie and to, to, to stop all the the lying, for example, if you're the president, especially one who supplanted a president who was notorious for lying all the time, that, mm. that Biden was going to be the person who wasn't going to lie as much as Donald Trump, particularly on matters of the pandemic. That hasn't been true at all. Yesterday morning, apropos of nothing, uh, he sent out a, a garbage tweet uh, saying something like, when I was when I took over, when I was sworn in, uh, the economy was on the verge of collapse. Mm. And look at here. Now it's like growing by 8.5% over the winter quarter, which is great if you don't factor in for inflation. Um, because what you do is like, oh, yeah. are we growing? Mm. Um, but like that, <laughs> that routine little lie of like the economy was on the verge of collapse in January of this year. Mm. It's just a fucking lie. It's not even close to being true. You just did a single Google search of anything exposes that as not being true. And I think that he can say this with a sense of impunity because he's not getting lie of the year designations from, uh, you know, all the various fact checkers. He said, and I, I, I was shocked to discover this and I wrote about it. He said on December 14th, last I looked, that's basically two weeks ago. He called this not just the uh, a pandemic of the unvaccinated, which is a terrible fucking phrase that they've been using since mid-July, the whole lot of Washington's public health uh, officials. But he also said you should you should get vaccinated so that you don't spread uh, the, the, the disease to other people. He said this on December 14th, um, stated that if you get vaccinated, you will not be spreading the disease to other people right as. Every single person in New York was getting COVID-19 and they're all vaccinated with the exception of like two guys named Lefty out in Bay Ridge. Um, he lies a lot, a lot. And it's not something that, that that's talked about. Uh, the same interview um, that he uh, uh, talked about uh, um, yeah, pandemic and, va- and vaccinated, all that kind of stuff is with the local Dayton, Ohio thing. And I just happened to look at it because I wanted to get the quote about the thing that I was looking at. But the guy also a- happened to ask like, hey, um, perfectly good local TV reporter. It's like, hey, uh, a lot of people in Ohio are skeptical of Build Back Better because they say you're spending a lot of money at a time um, in such a way that's going to increase inflation. Um, and they think that's not a good idea. What do you say to that? Right. That's fine. It's a good question. Um, Mm -hmm. And he says, well, the first thing that the most important thing is that this is not going to cost any money at all. This is going to cost zero. Mm -hmm. And also your taxes will not nobody's taxes who makes anything uh, less than four hundred fifty thousand dollars going to be raised one dime. All of this is lies. Mm -hmm. It's a terrible, stupid, clumsy Uncle Festus in the fucking 
couch scraping for <laughs> cigarette butts lies. <laughs> it is lie. shitty fucking lies. <laughs> and he does it all the time. And I think that he can do it in part because he's not called on it all the time. It's also because yeah. of the, the so, way in which he lies too. I mean, it, it, there's a frequency. I don't, I don't think it's okay that if you have a girlfriend who lies to you all the time or a boyfriend or a husband or a wife who lies to you all the time and you leave them and you have someone new in your life and they lie half as much, uh, but it's still a lot of lying. You don't want all that, right? I mean, so this is the thing is like you, you, the last guy lied so much that this kind of lie, these kind of lies are better. And it's, and it's the manner in which and the stupid things that Trump lied about, which established himself as a liar, right? I mean, if you're drawing a little edge onto the storm and saying, you know, this is actually what's going to like that kind of thing, that is just so insane. You're like, this guy's just a liar. He's just acknowledging publicly that he's a liar. Whereas Biden has gone back to the traditional political lying, which is all the time the lips are moving sort of thing. But yeah, the man's numbers are underwater for a reason. And there's a point at which when you're talking about somebody, you know, calling into a let's go Brandon kind of thing, or like you, you it's nobody cares about this except, except outside of the sort of Twitterati and outside of the kind of chattering classes, because otherwise you have inflation, you have the build back better utter collapse, which they couldn't manage, right? You have, you know, Rochelle Walensky crying in March saying impending doom when imp no impending doom happens. And this happens many, many, many months later. And it's a totally different variant. And it's actually not impending doom because there's some scientists that say, Hey, this is actually not a terrible thing. If this is spreading like wildfire and could potentially overtake the Delta variant and be the kind of dominant variant is one that gives you sort of sniffles in the cold. I mean, as we know right now, who knows what can happen in the future, but all of these things, right. And the, you know, the, the economy was collapsing. This, what are we looking at here for first year achievements? Because remember, the first 100 days was the FDR thing that was transplanted over to Obama and then forgotten about over Trump, except for like, you know, how bad was the first year? And then a little bit of first 100 day stuff with Biden, but less so. What has happened in this time, let's say the first year with the end of this year, that has been something that the American people can put their hands around and say, this is the tangible result of voting for Joe Biden. At this point, not a lot, right? I mean, and I don't mean that like in some sort of obscure, well, here's, if I, if I go through these numbers, I'm just talking the average voter. What is the average voter looking at right now? And how is their life better by voting for Joe Biden. Now, gra granted, I mean, I think, I think it's undeniably true that the, the uh, office of the presidency has not been as debased as it was before. And it's not just Trump being a little, a little gruff. I mean, stuff like the, the Muslim ban and things like that were pretty, it was nasty business, right? In his first year of, of, of the presidency. But beyond the kind, that stuff, what, what are we looking at? I mean, does anyone know? Does anyone have a feeling that there's something and not saying something you guys agree with? I'm just saying something that, you know, you've seen voters or people that you know kind of cling to and say, this was the direct, tangible result of the presidency switching hands into the hands of Joe Biden, the Democratic Party. The uh, direct deposit of $330 a month into my bank account. Oh, yeah. I don't get that. So I don't I didn't even remember that. I don't know how you get it. I've, you fucking that you don't deserve yeah, it. You probably, you probably I am the welfare queen of this podcast. No, I literally, yeah, I, I, I hate him more. <laughs> and you, you probably not even talk about it on the podcast. I imagine I something care. you're doing is wrong, and the defense are going to come after you. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Send it, they're sending that to me. New York is is sending uh, food stamps, as we know. 
Uh, and I'm, <laughs> I'm cashing in, baby. It's that great. That is oh my God. unbelievable. You're like ODB. No, but <laughs> You're like when ODB like, went to pick up his welfare check in his, in his limousine. Do you remember that? <laughs> You're the fucking there was, Wu-Tang oh of uh, Carol Rose. What a great there album, was actually the There was actually a COVID relief really package. Good. Remember that? Like yeah. In yeah. spring? It's yeah. like one point yeah. nine trillion dollars or something. Rhetorically, rhetorically speaking, I mean, this is the actual name of it is the COVID release package. The actual and contents, it, not so much. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that we spent one point nine trillion dollars on a thing, which is uh, nominally speaking twice as big as uh, the uh, the Obama like stimulus? Right. This is just gigantic sum of money, and it had COVID right there in the name, and. Uh, <laughs> And then, like, at the end of the year, it's like, oh, fuck, where's the tests? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait, wait a second. <laughs> 1.9 trillion? Yo, Joe, what a test. Nobody, Not a fucking test. Nobody could see this coming. No, we couldn't nobody see this coming. Nobody could guy. see this coming. What, what we need is hundreds of millions of dollars for telecom companies. Yeah, so yeah. They can definitely. build out broadband internet. <laughs> because everyone's coming. using Zoom. Yeah. It's important. So let's but, just build that up. It was jobs. We mentioned this on the, the Patreon, so you would have heard this if you if you'd stopped being such a skin flint and actually uh the Patreon. <laughs> but as I said to Matt at the time, like when we talked about this the other day, is that you're it's it, Matt's Matt's argument is right. You you could have seen this coming, but my argument maybe is also right too, is that that's your job. Like even if you couldn't see it coming, you should be prepared. That's the point of your administration is that we're living through a pandemic. There might be an, another surge. Even if there's no indications that there's another surge on the rise, you should be fucking prepared for it. Right. I mean, what, what did, uh, what happened after 9-11? People were like, George Bush should have seen this coming. Condi put this thing on his get desk and it was very vague in August. Mm -hmm. But you know, mm -hmm. I mean, your job and you're going to get criticized if you don't see these things coming, particularly, it's not as if this was the beginning of the pandemic. You kind of right. had a year and a half of pandemic to be like, yeah, maybe we should actually get prepared for, for like another wave of this stuff. I mean, you I have mean the CDC director literally crying on TV, making no <laughs> sense, talking about the impending doom. And yet, no preparation for this, and, eh? and and all very wrong about it. Actually, very wrong about um, it. So, although she, to to her credit, perhaps um, CDC director today, uh, Rochelle Walensky, saying that she is, they're not looking at in instituting yeah. any sort of travel restrictions, so they won't do it at least for now. Uh, it's good, um, uh, but it's it's unclear. Just sorry to to interrupt that, but like uh, Biden. This afternoon, right before we started uh, podcasting, someone asked about him whether he was on Rehoboth Beach or wherever the fuck he's from. Uh, yeah, and uh, and he his vacation like, home. Yeah, and and, uh, and he uh, indicated uh, more interest in the travel ban than he showed so far. Just basically said, like, look, if the experts ask for it, yeah, then, uh, that's where we're gonna go. I mean, how many, um, so, how many times have we seen that from Biden though, where someone asks him a question like in real time and he hasn't been given the right answer by his staff and he'll say one thing. And then minutes later, there's like a statement on the official, from the official website <laughs> saying, yeah, the president, I mean, he's an old guy. Yeah, Matt, I mean, if come you on. ask him at the right time, out there throwing he will answer <laughs> as if he's the Kaiser of Germany. He doesn't know where he is sometimes. He's like, I'm on the beach, man. I'm on the beach. In it's the, Christmas. In I'm the on the in the particular case, uh, it's it's pretty clear that they're trial ballooning right now, and uh, mm -hmm. that's why Fauci was sent around, and um, and they're seeing uh, kind of what's the reaction is going to be from the airline companies who are struggling right who, now, who, and who uh, do not want this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're not. They don't want it right now. Congress that they didn't want to. But yeah. they're also in the weakest position that they've been 
throughout the pandemic because they can't keep air, uh, flights in the air because people yeah. get sick. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I would I, well, if I'd say I'd the mandates money, probably have something to do with that, though. The, well, the, the vaccine, mand- <laughs> the vaccine mandates. mandates on their uh, on their yeah. employees. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of whom which were taken by the airlines themselves, but uh, were also uh, from the government. But uh, I mm-hmm. if I'm betting, I bet that it does happen in the next month. You think so? I do. I do because it's huh. uh, um, uh, because the holiday season is over, and so uh, that kind of uh, people would have yeah. been howling with outrage back then. Now that it's going to be less, the companies themselves could talk themselves into liking it because, hmm. like, look, you know, because um, they're the one they just got a bone from the CDC by uh, cutting down the recommendation for quarantine times from ten days to five. This was at the direct behest of Delta and other uh, airline companies. And you hear a lot of administration officials and Fauci too saying like, well, you know, we have to keep those people in mind so we don't shut everything down. So in that context, after Christmas, and then just knowing the mindset of public health, uh, federal governments and everything run by Democrats, and I really do hate to partisanize it, but it is, Mm -hmm. um, their mindset is like, if we can get away with it, we're going to do it. uh, Because, you know- take the other side of that action. I I mean- yeah, let's I, let's let's do end of January, right. end of January, uh, point zero 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 one of douche coin. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> so much. Yeah, I'll coin. take that. I'll take that bet. I'll take that bet. Yeah. I mean, because I, I, I'm I'm thinking about like Biden's Biden's speech, which we talked about a moment ago last week, where you know he's he's supposed to be the indication early on was that he'd be sounding a very different tone than he has in the past, talking about how we need to live with the virus, and at a minimum. One of the things that that was most surprising to me at a time when there were many, many people on the left who were calling for schools to be shuttered immediately in response to Omicron, the president of the United States says during this address, we're going to keep the schools open. If you are a person who's been vaccinated, et cetera, we want your life to be as normal as possible. Now, granted, this is said at a time when the very definition of what it means to be vaccinated is evolving um, people are generally talking about, you know, you've had two shots, but now it's two shots and boosted um, is considered vaccinated. And the notion of being vaccinated now is in many um, places like New York City, it extends to people as young as five, I believe, in New York. Is that right? Or is it six? So uh, five. Yeah. So it's. It's interesting. It seems like progress, but it also seems to me it's progress in the sense that I think people are growing wary of a lot of the mandates and a lot of the overconcern. And if the good news about Omicron sort of continues to pile up in the sense that the cases are mounting, but we're not seeing the body count go up, it's hard for me to believe that so many more people are still going to be be hankering for this stuff. I know people won't acknowledge their mistake. And in many instances, will probably say, imagine if we didn't panic, there would have been a huge body count. But if things continue as they are, like just common sense seems like it has to win out. And in much the same way that while people in New York City are clamoring for schools to be shuttered, the president of the United States is at least for the moment speaking sense on this issue, appreciating that the schools need to be kept open um, and that kids still, by and large, are very safe from this thing. And so even if, is, even if they can't get their story straight on masks for kids. On uh, and so is, and and this will be the last time I'm ever fair to him. Uh, Bill De Blasio. I mean, he came out today and 
said, we're going to change rules. And granted, it's a mess. It's a dog's breakfast of how mm-hmm. the rules are changed. We're trying to figure it out. But do everything in our power to keep schools open. Uh, we're going to stop uh, quarantining entire classrooms just because someone tests positive. So they're reacting to Omicron in the exact opposite way that the general restrictionists and lockdowners are. And that's also, of course, happening at the same time that de Blasio is imposing on 184,000 private businesses a uh, mandate to have all their employees vaccinated. Uh, <laughs> all, all, and, of them. <laughs> all of them. And also the state of New York, uh, you know, has has issued an order, although it's uh, the enforcements at the county level of of doing something similar. It's either vaccine or masks. Um, so it's it's kind of zigzag. But I am happy to see that the uh, the worry is that even though Biden said this in a speech twice and very firmly, uh, and even though de Blasio, for one, uh, has said uh, these things that sound like he's getting in the right direction on schools, if you believe, like I do, that schools should stay open um, for a variety of reasons, um, st- schools are still going to be closing. There's uh, Brunswick, New Jersey is going to be closed until January 18th. Chicago is going to vote on a strike tonight or tomorrow or some kind of like remote lockdown situation. The places that were more prone to lockdown uh, in 2020 and 2021 are all of their structures are in place to repeat that no matter what the president says and no matter how many, well, I don't know, $122 billion that he sent to them on the conditions of the, you better stay open. So that's going to open up some interesting uh, political things, I think, over the next month. Yeah. Um, um, plenty, plenty of other things we should talk yeah. about. I do want to just be sure while it's at the top of my mind to mention that we did have the successful launch of the James Webb telescope and however shitty your Christmas has been, um, at a minimum, you got that gift. We won't know for some time whether or not all of the things will work out. Everything will go right. And the, the telescope will reach L2, the, the point at which it is going to open up. Something, something like a, a million miles from Earth, so no one can go out there and fix it, but it will open up and perform as expected, and maybe seven months from now, we'll have glorious new photos that we can look at and marvel at um, that give us a hint of what things look like at the very earliest points of this universe. It is a miraculous scientific achievement. It is the one time you will hear me, a uh, crazy anarchist, rooting for the government to succeed its project um, because this is very exciting stuff. You know, very we don't exciting you, stuff. We don't have ads on this podcast. So people, <laughs> people are very accustomed on other podcasts. They're like, Oh, here comes yeah. the me undies ad. And they, they tell their Google <laughs> speaker to skip one minute. That's what they do when they do it on ours. It's when you start talking about telescopes. Yeah. They're like, uh, Google, <laughs> skip one minute. If Did I just did that and made your Google skip, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For my for my benefit and perhaps yeah. the benefit of some of some listeners, um, is it is it traveling to a distance that's never been traveled? Is it just yeah. got a lens that's never been lensed? Before? I mean, we've, what's the, we've what's sent the we've sent stuff very far away before. That's scientific. Um, yeah. yeah. So we've we've done that already. We've sent stuff out past Pluto at this point. Um, this is being sent to a distance that we've never sent a telescope. I mean, Hubble has been the principal device that we've used in, in the last couple of decades to get a better sense of our place in the universe and the, the, the breadth of the universe. Um, this thing is going to allow us to see even further because it can take photos in the infrared spectrum. We know that light 
being emitted from distant galaxies travels to us and it takes a long time to get here. And when we use the telescope to take images, we are effectively looking back in time. This will look even further back in time, um, perhaps to, to the limits of what can possibly be perceived uh, in terms of light that is traveling from the um, uh, uh, the observational horizon. Um, the, that's the actual limitations on what we can um, see because the galaxy, the universe is expanding, not the galaxy, but the universe. Um, so anyways, I'm, I'm doing a lot of talking about this, but if you're not excited <laughs> about this, like what's wrong with you? Like you should marvel. I'll give about, you a fact. You should, you should, you the should Hubble marvel. Telescope was named after Webb yeah. Hubble. Did you know that, Matt? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. The great yeah, Webster, that's exactly the, right. the, the flappy-lipped <laughs> Webster Hump. I'm Father just saying, you should all marvel Foster. at this. Uh, like, you should marvel at this. The mystery I of our existence, Carl the Hubble. extraordinariness yeah. of us being on this planet, this oasis in the vast expanse of darkness that is space. It's ridiculous yeah. that we're here. It is a profound mystery and us probing that mystery, I mean, geez, are you kidding me? I've said that to so many it's people. It's great. A couple of drinks yeah. and maybe you'll probe the mystery. Yeah. <laughs> it always works. Can you tell me? <laughs> always works. As Billy Camille used to say, it works every time. That's a different mystery. Yeah. <laughs> but also worth, also worth probing. Totally worth probing. Generally, always. Ladies, always it's uh, worth probing. Well, depends, I suppose. <laughs> James but, yeah. Webb, please tell me that it's the former Secretary of Navy and Senator. And novelist and Vietnam veteran. Yes. <laughs> yes. And yeah. telescope no. maker. Yeah. No. Is it named after I'm him? Sorry, no? It's some, some avowed racist yeah. somewhere. I mean, I, I, they haven't they're, canceled him yet, but they should. They're going to find the outer reaches of white supremacy <laughs> in the galaxy. It's, it even exists out there. I, I bet there if somebody wants to. definitely some recent physics books um, about like race and blackness and the awfulness of blackness and the search for answers in space and shit. Well, there's it's nothing, completely ridiculous. there's no subject you can't, you know, um, uh, kind of port that into. Yeah. So why I'm black, wondering why, if somebody why has, gotta be black holes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why it's gotta, why it's gotta be dark matter. Yeah. Exactly. What you're trying to say. That's what you huh? get. If you go to Ron Karanga's course at Cal State Long Beach, <laughs> he's going to burn you with a fucking pipe. Yeah, I see what y'all trying to do. Everything, if it's negative, it's black. I see what y'all doing. I see what y'all doing. Yeah. Must have been a white but guy who thought of all that. That's from <laughs> Third Base's Gas Face. Do you remember that? The white rappers. Said, yeah. Hey, you know, if the bad guys were black, must have been a white guy who thought of all that. Oh, man. Um, yeah. What else is going on in the world? Something else we should talk um, about? I don't know. That's about it, really. I mean, really? we got the new year coming up. We got the new year coming up. And I know we're all very excited about that, right? Should yeah, we do know. some like celebration of the year that was um 2021 and we talk about our great hatreds um the the greatest surprises the things that we're excited about going forward the idiot of all idiots who wrote it yeah. something in 2021 Yeah I suggested that of the some idiot wrote this of the year just because we get frequent um um, emails. Some of them are written by idiots, by the way. <laughs> just as one that I read recently. Like, oh God, that was really stupid. Um, which I'll address on the Patreon. So if you want to, if you want to hear a response to your idiotic email, um, it'll be on the Patreon. Um, <laughs> who could you be? Yeah, who who could it be now? Um, <laughs> who could it be knocking at my door? There's uh, yeah. So I who the idiot of the year is a tough one. 
And um, I, it's funny because somebody sent me something, and I, I don't know. I guess it wasn't one of you guys. Um, and it was somebody talking about the 1619 project in history and uh, historians and somebody. Oh, it was um, it was the guy from from the New Yorker. What's that guy's name? Um, uh, it's black writer Johnny Cobb. Johnny Cobb, Cobb. Um, arguing about this on MSNBC, and he said, as a historian. And I was unaware that Jelani Cobb was a historian. Are you aware of this? He doesn't. He, I, he, he teaches about media. Teaches media something at uh, at uh, at Columbia. I'm not saying Jelani Cobb is the idiot of the year because he's certainly not. But this, I, I remember some kind of history sense of what he was doing. I don't know if that's his primary. Well, I guess if you write a if you write a history book, it doesn't make you a historian. But um, um, oh no, it was on it was on Meet the Press. It was Nicole Hannah Jones and Jelani Cobb um, on Meet the Press, which is like. You know, a real all-star lineup there, but uh, but no, it's a lot of tension, a lot of tension between those two. Oh my goodness, Pro- probing probing the contours of the debate yes. by having on these two guests, really getting a deep understanding for for the, what it means to disagree on whatever it was they were debating. Well, it, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about this today because um, a Russian court. Uh, yesterday, ordered the closure of Memorial, which is um, an organization I've been a fan of for a long time and established, I think, in 89 before the fall of the Soviet Union. But I was actually with uh, the Memorial. People were in a hotel that I was in um, in Norway and their rooms were broken into. Um, mm, uh, wow. It was, and guess who else was staying at the uh, hotel at the same time was Dmitry Medvedev, uh, the Russian, uh, then Russian president. Um, so, I mean, these people do incredibly brave work and they've been, um, basically, I mean, look, they don't do a lot of modern politics. Apparently the Russian government has accused them of, of sedition basically for, for wading into some debates about Ukraine, but they have been the people that have, um, really done the digging on what happened in the gulag system under Stalin and, you know, a lot of the human rights abuses, uh, during the Soviet Union, which, you know, you had to start from scratch in 91. Nobody had done that before. And Andrei Sakharov was one of the people that started Memorial, but they were shut down by a Russian court, um, as I think, um, unregistered foreign agents and things like that. And it's so funny, this battle for history, and that's a real battle for history. When I hear people Mm. talking about this and, you know, Meet the press, the august thing that nobody watches anymore, saying that, you know, this is the history that can't be spoken. And your book is being published by, you know, HarperCollins or something. And you work at the New York Times. Uh, it's a bit crazy. And then you, you know, uh, turn on the BBC this morning and you hear that Memorial has been shut down by the courts in Russia. People actually do real excavation of history that is actually prevented by the state and prevented by schools. Like schools will, I mean, this is what the, the idea was to get this into textbooks and things like that. In the, in the rewriting of Russian history by the Putin regime, which does not have, um, the same ideology as the Soviet Union, but does have the same ideology of Russian, uh, nationalism, and Russian power. And when you have that sort of idea of nationalism, you don't allow people to say bad things about the Russian past. Whereas in the context that we have these debates, um, saying bad things about the American past is pretty much where you start. If you say something nice, you have to do the throat clearing of all the bad stuff too. I mean, that's how we talk about history. And to see that today in Memorial being shut down, it was a pretty interesting contrast of a, of a country where it does not actually get to have a free and open conversation about its own recent history. And then to have people on, you know, um, meet the press saying utter nonsense about this stuff. You know, Nicole Hannah-Jones being on the cover of Essence magazine, you know, photoshopped into 
into an almost different person. <laughs> Just a bizarre cover. But, you know, that, I mean, that's the thing, I guess, this year that has pissed me off the most is not even the substance of the debate about 1619, because I think it's been overtaken by people who don't know anything about American history on both sides, actually. Um, really, truly, you can, there's a lot of people that denounce the inclusion of the stuff, the potential inclusion. You could talk to them and they have an, the fucking foggiest idea of what the debates are really about. They see there's something different. And there was a guy that's the head of the BLM stuff in New York who was being kind of denounced by Eric Adams, who was wearing a t-shirt on uh, one of these TV broadcasts that said critical race theory is American history or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's just, it's an amazing thing to watch over the period of 12 months to see one of the most dishonest debates and everybody involved is either an idiot has no idea what they're talking about, doesn't really, really care about the actual debate at hand, is not a historian, and has no interest in being a historian or no interest in history. And seeing just how poisonous that stuff is, um, it, it, it doesn't usually get into the mainstream in such a way. Those historian debates have been roiling for decades and centuries on almost every issue, but they never become kind of, you know, this, this, this common currency, this thing that everybody talks about in a broad sense. And I think that, you know, the actual his 1619 project in the book is dishonest, but the debate about it is taking that dishonesty and, you know, blown it up by a factor of a hundred. It's just really depressing to watch. There's something about like, um, you know, uh, either when you do it yourself or when you observe someone that you know doing it, when they like drop out of dumb social media for a month or six months or something and then drop back in all of a sudden or like turn on cable TV. I was mentioning to, um, I think I just actually on Twitter. Um, <laughs> uh, was, I think it was yesterday. We're taping this on Tuesday. Yeah. Yesterday, uh, during my, uh, uh, lunch, uh, break, I turned on CNBC like I do, but then there was no signal and I turned it on to, uh, CNN for it. Cause it's the next station down. I was like, Oh, okay. Let's just see what's going on and turn on CNN. And, um, it was, uh, uh, a, uh, a, a videotape of Candace Owens, uh, saying something stupid that had already been like chewed up and digested, uh, 48 hours previously on, on Twitter. And this is like breaking news on CNN of her saying, God knows what, whatever crazy thing. Uh, and I, you know, obviously lunged, uh, for the sledgehammer to, to crush the TV. I did that again today. Um, uh, cause again, the CNBC didn't work. And at this point I did it like, okay, I'm going to do this now as a scientific experiment, much in the same way that we've talked about in the past. Like, uh, you turning on NPR in the morning and see how quickly it takes them to get to institutional fill in the blankism. And it's usually between, I think, uh, 15 and 30 seconds. Michael, I think this is what we've arrived yeah, at. Yeah. It's something it's around the, there. Yeah. The typical yeah. So, uh, just, I, I'm, go I'm, I'm going to answer this honestly, right? Um, uh, I, I turned, uh, I'm going to ask you two guys this question. I turned on CNN today with the conscious idea of like, okay, what are the first words I'm going to hear when I turn on CNN? I'm just going to, I'm going to record this. <laughs> try to guess, try to guess what the first words I heard on CNN when I was listening for the first words that were to come on CNN. Try to guess. January 6th. Yep. Yep, <laughs> I'm not, it, it was. It was. It like, totally was. I was it doesn't like, matter, I, doesn't matter what day. I was about ready to like, to, like, all right, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna turn on the mental recorder, see what it is. 
click January 6th. It was like the first word. And everyone was sort of like cocking their heads and, and smiling uh, smugly. Uh, to Michael's point about, uh, about the, the hot take history is that it's a lot of hot take history. It's it, we we've got to the point where like that, that is the impulse. The reflex in moments of stress is to do the same thing that fucking Marcy wheel <laughs> did when, when John Madden of all yes. people died. It's like, how can I do hot take history right now? I'm going to make this about video games and concussions apropos of fucking nothing. Um, and people taking this kind of mental approach of an attention economy and, and how can I get in there and, and, uh, and, and, you know, provoke outrage on people and to see this now be part of the style of, of people who are allegedly making an intellectual argument. Um, it makes you want yeah. to become the person who is now dropping out of, of that conversation for a month or six months out of a time and go and do something different go touch grass and do actual work and that that talk uh is not productive um leads to nothing uh particularly useful and we only have so much time here on this telescope called life and uh, and like we need to do uh, uh productive things and create beautiful things yeah this is the quote from jelani cobb that i was um looking for yeah i mean i happen to be a historian uh, as far as I can tell, he's not a historian, but that doesn't really make a difference because, you know, there are people who are epidemiologists who say radically different things than other epidemiologists. I happen to be a historian, and historians don't really believe that there's such a thing as objective history. What we do is recognize that we have perspective, that there are, we're all subjective. Now, that's something that historians um, sometimes do like to say, um, and it's and it's a trick in a way. That because you can't, you can't have objective history in the way that there is, you know, a set of unarguable facts, things that exist, and that's the way you teach history. That that is, of course, then used as a cover for teaching, you know, expressly ideological history that is wrong in focus and emphasis and then just wrong in the facts, too. Because you can't just say, like, there's no real thing as, uh, as objective history, so I'm going to tell you something that isn't true, and I believe it to be true. And when I push back on that, you say, well, no, come on, don't tell me that there's such thing as objective history. We, historians don't believe that. We all have our perspective. There's all, we're, we're subjective in this, in, this, uh, in this exercise. And that's the kind of thing that I find, you know, the more, on the more intellectual level of denial and the sort of the, the, what the smart person tries to to uh, spin up uh, when kind of pushing away criticism of things like the 1619 project there is no objective history well that's true in some senses but it's also true that you can't teach things that are objectively false and just say well it's just we're not we're not objective we can't be objective this line of argument which i'm seeing increasingly amongst the people who are clever enough to bat these things away in a clever way that's not true right i mean you cannot say you know the holocaust never happened i'm there's no objective history here there is an objective history of the number of people and we can you know these people debate around the margins and not even holocaust deniers like actual historians debate on the number of people who died right but it's an objective fact that it happened right you can't say that half of this stuff is not objective and of course in this this thing on meet the press he says well i was never taught about the tulsa race massacre 
Well, you know, there's a lot of things that I wasn't taught about that I find now quite important. And I think a lot of actually some of the stuff that I've read about the Tulsa Race Massacre has, and this will maybe prick people's ears up, actually gone in the other way into this kind of area of, of mythology and of people taking the worst possible, you know, body counts and ex- excising other things that complicate the story a little bit. I mean, it's uncomplicated in the sense that there was a massacre and it was it was something that is, you know, a horror in American history that is worth mentioning. I believe that it, that it is. But it, it, it also, saying something like that, I wasn't taught this. Well, I don't really, I mean, were other people taught this? Were people in Oklahoma taught this? Were you taught about slavery? Were you taught about the, the Civil Rights Act? Were you taught about busing? I was taught about all of these things, by the way. Because that one thing wasn't taught about does not mean and it's to establish this precedent, establish this idea that our history has been so corrupted by people who don't want to tell the bad story about America. And I've said this a million times and a million times over, and I'll say it one last time, and then we can go to something else. But it's a matter of emphasis. This is the thing that is important in these conversations. It's not that these things don't get taught or they shouldn't be taught. It's a matter of, and, I, and, and again, I'm repeating myself that I've done 20 episodes ago, but you can tell a story of America, the unalloyed good in world affairs and in world history, and for the American people. And you can tell the story of the unalloyed evil of America, the American regime, American foreign policy, etc., American social policy towards minorities. And both of those teachings of history can also be true. They can be objectively, sorry, Jelani, objectively true. What is the problem with that? Well, the problem is you're excising things that are also true and you have a limited amount of time. So it's a matter of what you stress. It's not a matter of what's true and what's not true. That's often not the case. It is the case in the context of 1619 Project that there is an aggressive campaign to actually recast the entire history um, as one that started only as a negative and even the revolution itself was uh, trying to preserve one of the most shameful aspects and and things in American life. That's not true. But if you establish that, what do you establish then? You establish foundationally that the company, the country is corrupt. I mean, mm-hmm. I, that is the purpose of it. So when somebody is trying to foundationally change everything that you've learned in everything that historians have talked about from great historians, like recently Sean Wilentz and Gordon Wood and people like this, who say, good, that's absolute, absolute nonsense. What is the purpose of doing that? It is just as political as someone rewriting the Texas school book curriculum in the, in the 2000s to, you know, only write about Ronald Reagan and, you know, write liberals out of history and et cetera, et cetera, and say that the Civil War was something, you know, over, you know, or fought over states' rights or something. That stuff is pernicious. This stuff is pernicious. True. Don't, don't, don't say it's not pernicious because it's on your side. And because you like the ultimate lesson that's going to teach. The point is mm-hmm. not that there's no objective or subjective history. Is the ultimate lesson true or not? And I think in this case, it's absolutely not true. So there you go. It always stands out to me the the fact that people ignore the universe of things that they, their kids may not learn about or that they don't remember yes. learning in school. Yes. Like it, it, Bacon's Rebellion, probably a thing that most people listen to this podcast who are very smart yeah. and are, are uniquely knowledgeable I imagine that a very small percentage of the the listening audience knows exactly what that is. Or Shay's rebellion. I imagine that yeah. most 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 school kids don't know much of anything about Elijah Lovejoy. No, but they probably should. <laughs> um, the story isn't being hidden because he was a white man 
who was murdered for deciding that he wanted to print his newspaper, despite the fact that some people didn't want him to, or the fact that it was abolition, an abolitionist tract that he was pre- preparing and had bought, what, three printing presses by the time people actually broke down the doors of the place where he was keeping this thing once they discovered that he had gotten a new one and burned down the building with him in it, uh, maybe even shot him and then burned down the building. There's a couple of people who died. Um, but in either case, this is not something that every American student learns something about, and it is not because there is some broad conspiracy yeah, that's right. to to prevent them from learning the truth about what the United States is. Um, but again, this is a this is a story that we've been been telling, I think, on this podcast for a very long time, and I suspect it was very early in our history, Moynihan, when you said something about kind of American exceptionalism mm-hmm. and the the two kind of competing versions of American exceptionalism, America the 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 vehemently awful and irredeemable yeah. exceptional yeah. in that respect, and America the the perfect and unblemished. And it is certainly true that there are people who promulgate both of those mythologies yeah. um, and who are even competing for who gets to tell which mythology to school kids um, in the in the coming school year. But I suspect that there are far more people in this country who are broadly interested in, you know, the complicated, messy truth. Um, and to the extent that continues to be true, I think we're probably going to be okay in the long run. Um, and that, that keeps me from jumping on board the, the, the doomsayer train. Yeah. I don't know uh, where all these people came from. Where'd all these people come from? Where'd all these people come from on Twitter? that are activists, you know, uh, on Meet the Press or people writing these books or talking endlessly from the ages of 15 to people up to the ages of 70. Where did they come from? Where did they get this information when there's a conspiracy to prevent them from hearing this information? Well, the truth is, it's not a conspiracy to prevent them from hearing this information. The one thing that actually, I mean, I could make the same claim and say, you know what people don't learn in school is in the American exceptionalism end of this and you know the two kind of spokes on this on this wheel um the empty wheel matt um so uh, <laughs> would be would be that it, it you know the you know you know it didn't happen here it happened here it could happen here is that it didn't start here and that's something that mm-hmm. is really important for people to learn because when you the, the it's important for these people to establish that the country is is fundamentally rotten it's in the hands of white supremacy. It was based on white supremacy. It was built by white supremacists. It was built on the backs of, of slave labor. And these are things that all have elements of truth that are blown up to be the only story, not, not elements of a story. And what is also important then is to establish that this is a unique case, right? Not in the sense that it's unique that America and, you know, the UK in some senses too, were uniquely abolitionist, um, something that hadn't popped up in world history up until around that. I mean, sort of organized in a big way, abolitionism. But to say that this is something that is unique when it comes to, uh, you know, the early colonists interactions with Native Americans, for instance, this is a uniquely horrible thing. Slavery, uniquely horrible thing, unique to the, to the establishment of the American project. Once you understand that that's not true, it leads you to places that they don't want you to go. That, you know, the abolitionist movement being a kind of unique element to, to American history is one of those places that don't, don't, don't want you to go. Because fundamentally, people want to blow up the idea of the experiment. And if that's not true, then why are we 
you know, knocking down Jefferson statues and, you know, Washington statues and trying to rename Abraham Lincoln schools in San Francisco. It's they truly <laughs> dislike the project. They dislike what it is fundamentally. And I don't mean that in some wild eyed Glenn Beck way. I mean that in a totally rational, calm way that they are showing me that they hate this so much because they're trying to destroy the idols that they associate with the religion. They believe the religion of Americanism. I, um, for the purposes of, uh, of, uh, the Paloma media website, it has a little, uh, person of the day thing, um, which I fill in sometimes, uh, it's my basic contribution to it. Um, and you, so you look at, you know, December 27th through history, right? It's this Wikipedia page that does things like that. Um, and not a, not a huge deal late night kind of drunken. Oh, Chris Bell died on this day. Yesterday, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big star. I'll write three paragraphs about it. Okay. It's, it's fun. But in the process, it's what's really fun is to actually look at stupid Wikipedia page of stuff that happens on a given day. Because one of the things that comes clear is that that category of really cool, interesting, complicated historical things that happen every day, literally every day, mm -hmm. uh, and that you never really read about or knew about or you forgot about because you're getting old and tired. Um, it's so vast and it's wonderful. So uh, we're recording this on December 28th, I believe. December 27th, 1657, as Michael surely knows, was the Flushing Remonstrance. Isn't that a great name? It was the Flushing Remonstrance. And you think that's ridiculous uh, a word. I was never taught that whatever. in school, man. <laughs> you were never taught that in school. And it's actually one of the greatest things that happened in American history. Literally. It was a time when, uh, like, oh, where modern day flushing, whatever it was called back then, much goddamn Dutch, um, Peter Stuyvesant, who was kind of a dick, the Dutch colonial governor, um, had come down uh, hard on the local uh, colonists here and said, you know what? Everyone has to be Dutch reformed church or you can fuck off. Everyone has to worship, worship at the altar of Peter Meyer and <laughs> perhaps Justin is Justin Mosh. I think Amash is also a Dutch reform. All these guys, Syrian, Grand Dutch Rapids, reform. Palestinian, Dutch, reform. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, they, they, they change things up. Um, uh, no, actually he's uh, he's Orthodox. Um, but, uh, uh, like it has to be Dutch reform or not at all. And, some local dudes in this tiny it's 1657 there's not a lot of people um in this tiny colony who themselves were not uh, the other religion that they were trying to crack down on i forget it was protestant probably um uh said that's not cool that's not cool here's an open letter to uh you peter stuyvesant um saying that's not cool to our religious minorities here in new york we do it differently in new york now, and a part of the, the we do it differently was Jews who were just had been allowed in. And it was a, a moment of great controversy early on in the history of New York City of like, do we allow the Jew in? Ah, I don't know. He's pretty good at trading. That's literally kind of how it happened. <laughs> Seriously, it's how it happened. It's crazy and fun and wonderful. It turned out to have so very little influence in the city of New York. Uh, the, <laughs> classically so. So they they or, they or wrote, the media. They presented. <laughs> we mean they presented the, the remonstrance. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and they, the guy was thrown in jail. Like it was like, it was a immediate, like you go to hell, uh, forget it, Peter Hart or something like that. I think he ended up, uh, in, uh, in Husker du. Um, uh, so they sent him, sent him to jail, uh, and it only kind of like works its way through the courts and the various systems, uh, six or so years later, but like it does end up weighing in on the side where people are like, you know what? 
in New York, at least, and maybe some other parts of the colonies, we're going to have to grudgingly allow for religious toleration so that people of different faiths can get along <laughs> and trade with one another. 16 fucking 57. They baked it into early American understanding. This is also true with Roger Williams in Rhode Island. Yes, a very great much figure. So, yeah. Nick Gillespie has written really movingly about over the years. Um, and this, this predates so many things about what we understand of, of America, but that 1657 project, <laughs> that's you a should cool start project. That. You should start the 1657. <laughs> that's a cool fucking project. And like, project. <laughs> and I, I can tell you on the days that I go in and I look for, you know, that what well, this day in history kind of stuff, there's something like that every day. So here's my challenge to listeners out there. If you like the story of Elijah Lovejoy, not just his name, which is fucking awesome. Mm. Um, and you like the story of the flushing remonstrance, mm-hmm. which is just, I mean, that's a, a progressive rock band <laughs> album <laughs> title from 1973. Um, and Former all those other Can. great <laughs> 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 James can, uh, uh, if you like this kind of stuff, suggest them to us. We'll get like a Leonard pimp Garnell, like elbow patch pipe on a big chair on an Archie bunker chair and a fake British accent. And today we're going to learn about. Elijah Lovejoy and the Flushing Remonstrance. Yeah, there's like, a lot of things like, you don't know about. That's just the basic. Let's create of, our <laughs> our yeah. fun fifth column history. Like it's great. Who doesn't love that shit? And uh, yes, we weren't taught that, or we forgot it because we we're too drunk. But that doesn't prevent <laughs> us from knowing about it now. And it's kind of rad, including all the awful shit too. I think the one yeah. final point on this is that there's one thing that you think that people think that they know a lot about because they say this when they actually know nothing. And it's actually the thing that people know least about, which the complications of are really, really interesting. When people are like, you know, they don't teach you how horrible we were to the Native Americans. It's like, I don't know what school you went to, uh, because literally every school that I've seen and that I went to and my you know family went to and my daughter, et cetera. That's number one. But people think that's like kind of like I'm telling I'm telling it like it is. And I've said this before. Nobody knows anything about it. Truly, nobody knows anything about it. It's it's really shocking how little people know about this thing they speak so confidently about. You know, if you talk about genocide, you know, you know, if you know about Cambodia, you know, S21. If you know uh, Germany, you know Auschwitz, you know all these things, right? You, nobody knows anything specific about it. So you ask them what happened when, give me the place where the most people were killed, give me the circumstances, etc. And when you actually read about it, it's super complicated and interesting. And it's not, it's no less horrifying in certain places, but it's really, really interesting. And there's, you know, allegiances between tribes and, and colonists. And it's in like, you know, but then the tribes are on the side of the French and the tribes are on the side of the British and, and, and the American colonists, et cetera. It's truly interesting and complicated and not at all what people say, like, oh, there was a, just a genocide against the Indians. It's like, there were, there was really bad. It was really bad at times, but the context of it is pretty interesting and where it all came from and all those nuances of it and who was contributing to what side of this, uh, this massacre and there's massacres on both sides, et cetera. But that's like something you, people just dismiss with a sentence like, oh, we were really the genocide of the Native Americans. It's like, okay, find out about it. Go out and read about it, honestly, because it's really, really fascinating. And it might not yeah. be what you think in certain, in certain aspects too, by the way. There's a guy that I had a well, professor named Gunter Levy, by the way, who wrote a, who wrote a book, who wrote a, um, an article, I think it was in commentary, who, who wrote a, if he was teaching at uh, UMass Amherst today, would be totally run out of UMass Amherst because he wrote a piece at the time, uh, I don't know, maybe it was like in the 70s or 80s that he was like the myth of the genocide of the Native Americans. 
It's a very, very long piece. And he's like, nah, it's not oh. true. I'm not telling you I agree with this. I'm just saying there's a historian, a historian <laughs> just at UMass Amherst who, who wrote books about the Holocaust. <laughs> Gunter. Uh, Gunter, no, Gunter Levy. He's Jewish. Um, and he wrote books about the Holocaust and wrote about um, uh, the Roma and genocide against Roma, et cetera. And he wrote this piece. I just came across it not too long ago. And I was like, wait, what? That's the guy from UMass. Just came across it, huh? Yeah. Well, I was looking for it because um, I was looking. Yeah. I, I typed in refute <laughs> genocide. And then fill in yeah. the blank, whatever one as, you want to refute. I want to be on that yeah, side. Yeah, so. yeah. Anyway. Oh, gosh. Well, I heavy, will say it's been, it's, been, it's been an interesting year. Um, I am happy to see this one come to a conclusion mm. and another one begin, um, as we generally are. And I don't know if you guys can hear my daughter screaming. I can. Yeah. She's Although excited about that, it coming that at least too. at least means it's time for me to wrap up. Yeah, yeah. yeah what she's screaming about is she wants daddy to come come read her uh, a good night story. Read that Gunter Levy thing you know, I was just telling you about. I'm still able to do that. <laughs> and I suppose I can I can also say cuz I don't think I've formally said so on the podcast in March of this coming year, my wife and I are expecting our our second. Um you guys can act surprised as if you didn't know. Say what? Um, and this is this is very exciting. For us, and you know, in a year of difficulty and extreme, continuing in some some cases and difficulty for many people, um, it uh, there there are bright lines. There is a horizon, and there are opportunities to do new and great things in the in the coming year. And we hope corporately for good things for you um, in the new year, and uh, look forward to providing you with more information insight uh levity and you know just perhaps rank hypocrisy and idiocy if that is what you think is happening here so long as you continue to pay um for us <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> become a patron of this this fine or awful podcast whatever you like you are entitled to your opinion asshole um your your wrong opinion Fucking in some stupid cases opinion. but you're entitled to it yeah. you can have it uh, but thank you for supporting the podcast. If if you are amongst the many people um, who do support the podcast on the Patreon, thank you for downloading it. And um, yeah, we look forward to seeing you uh, in in twenty twenty two, unless we see you sooner. And if you don't so. support the podcast, you're a fucking piece of garbage, <laughs> and you're probably a racist. So, some of yeah. you have wow. said to me. Or I'd that. support the podcast, but you got to get rid of that Camille character. And I said, no, I will not do that. <laughs> He's my friend. That. And he yeah. said, no, but Thank he you. is, uh, he is, uh, an African American. Do you know that? And yeah. I said, no, I did not know that. That one. But I'll look That's into they it. They always refer to me. So <laughs> unfair. Yeah. So to the person um, who said that, I'm looking into it. Um, I'll get back to you. Soon. <laughs> we'll figure it out. You know, uh, I, having just done that though, I mean, uh, I wonder. Gosh, I mean, I told you guys about the guy who I met at the Home Depot the other day. Mm. Maybe I shouldn't tell this story. That's fine. I'll tell it on the Patreon. It's a great story. It's a great story. It's not every day someone offers to put up drywall or to like have sexual intercourse with you. Yeah, yeah. Which is is really weird to get propositioned in that way. That's kind of East Egg. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. It's, it's funny. I that's need do some drywall stuff, and I always do the hand job. So, like, I don't know why you said no. <laughs> do you have any work for me? Do you have do any, you work, have for any work for me? Yeah. 
You know you're beautiful. You know, you know you're beautiful. Like, come, yeah. come back to your house with you. How come How come there's uh, no, no woman you, that ever sir. says that to you? Like, it comes up like, you know you're beautiful. Do you have any work for <laughs> me? Actually, like, uh-huh. That happens, actually. I've played yeah, rugby. totally so. had that happen. No, it's never happened to you. Yeah. No, it's not. It's totally happened. In yes, Home Depot, has. someone's on more like, than one occasion. I wanna, oh, no, not in Home Depot. What, at, at, on the at streets? A, at like, a, like a woman yeah, called prostitutes. Me and you live like, in San Francisco. Oh, man. Just no, wanna, they want a hot not rock. Prostitutes. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. No. Sometimes they just gleam a certain amount of enthusiasm in their eyes when they're like, hey, not only am I propositioning you, I'm going to give you a deal mm. because honestly, I suspect there's probably more in this for me yes. than for you. Yes. It yeah. doesn't look like you're the kind of guy who needs our services, mm-hmm. but God, it would just be the highlight of my evening. And occasionally I say, you know what? Fine. Fine. That's where I got Omicron, <laughs> but that's fine. <laughs> he says that this, never, ladies and gentlemen, happened. within three minutes of announcing his second yeah. child. Being <laughs> yeah. Born. I am no, going to have excited. a baby. Very excited. Yeah. With a woman I met on the street. <laughs> Who is the daddy? Who is the daddy? We I, shall discover. Right. This, this time, this time yeah. I wasn't the one asking. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, we should do, well, let's do a, uh, uh, last 2021 Patreon. Okay, I'll, I'm in. We can try to get think, at some point. No one's no one's going to have a New Year's no, Eve. No, I mean it's going to be a, like a new oh, yeah. Omicron Eve. We'll, have a, we'll yeah. have a New Year's uh, Patreon Eve. Oh let's my God. Let's have it. a. But we could do a Zoom or what? Well, let me see if I have the Twitch. Let me see if I get some the spasm. Yeah, no. I mean, I've got, I've got, I've got New Year's. I got some stuff. Yeah, of course, baby. Sorry, can't be here with you. People, yeah. you want to uh, get yeah, the train no, out to East Dig? That's what I said. <laughs> I'll pay for your train, and I might even pick yeah. you up the train station. But there are Ubers out here, just so you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, bye. All right, bye, bye. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse, the pistol.